This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Pursuit for food has taken us into the wilderness, across rivers, and atop mountains. These journeys have connected us to the wild. It is this connection that allows us to experience the wild places this world has to offer, in search for both wild game and adventure. This is my adventure for food. Hey guys, it's Will. <clears throat> Just going to talk through a adventure I had a couple years back. Uh, this one's going to take us into into the mountains there. And uh, it was my first trip I had up to Alaska. I've made a few trips up there and uh, traditionally grew up, you know, hunting the plains of Texas and the Western Plains, Wyoming, Montana. But I had the chance to go up to Alaska, I would say about two years back. And uh, I had a good friend up there. He was working for the local police department. He's like, man, if you love to hunt, Alaska's the place you need to be. So we set up a hunt and then uh, getting all ready. And he's like, best species of game up here is early season blacktail deer. So we were going to do a great blacktail deer hunt right in the mountains, uh, kind of northeast of Sitka, Alaska. So Sitka sits on the, the western side of Baranoff Island, which is a uh, fun fact that brown bear capital of the world i think they've got a one brown bear per square acre and so covered up with bears but it's also covered up with deer so he's like man you got to get up here so we planned the trip we went ahead booked a cabin you know laid out all my gear getting ready to go never really hunted uh, in high alpine terrain before i chased mule deer and uh, antelope down the lower plains and you know into the foothills of some of the mountains in northwest wyoming but never to this extent so what we did was i flew up landed on the the little strip they've got there in sitka he rolled up threw my guns in the back and the first thing we did because i don't think any trip would be uh, any trip to alaska would really be worth it if you didn't get a little fishing in first you know you got to go for that alaska surf and turf feel there so we took his boat out we went ahead and uh threw out some trot lines for halibut and then also trolled for salmon we picked a couple silvers up that day and then later on the afternoon we pulled up the trot line you know at first i was thinking yeah man trot line you know that's not very sportsman's like you know i prefer the rod and reel or a fly rod and he's like don't worry 
you'll feel like you've got done enough work. So hauling up 600 feet of a trot line later with a few 30 pound weights on it and about four to five 60 pound halibut really, uh, really made it worth our while. So we went ahead and took the fish, went ahead and flayed them up, got them ready, went to bed early. Woke up the next morning. We took his truck up to the the top of uh, a local mountain, uh, just on the back side of it. There's a little trail that kind of skirts up into the Alpine that overlooks the city, and we would started pushing into the interior of the island. What's really cool about Southeast Alaska is the Forest Service is very active there in the conservation effort. And while they don't allow a ton of camping, they've actually put a few little cabins, little you know, ten by twelve cabins up there that are only about six foot tall for weather concerns. So we pack in about like four to five miles back up into these mountains and we find one of these cabins. So we set all our gear in there and as probably you all know, you know, August timeframe, you're going to get a lot of rain up in Alaska. So it was a nice little break from the wet and the sogginess of the hike up. And so we broke out all our gear and uh, we took the next ridge above us and started setting up and started glassing. And it was awesome experience. I'd never seen such mountains and beauty and sitting up there just glass and watching deer, picking them out, you know, a mile, two miles away. And he'd be like, Hey man, check that out. I'm like, dude, it's a bush. No, it was a deer. And we would just look and I think we counted nine the first day and then uh, weather drove us back to the cabin. So we packed up, went back to the cabin for the night, uh, woke up the next morning and did the same thing all day. And just being able to sit up in those mountains and watching the clouds float by you and picking out these deer, it, it was a great experience. And a lot of them would be like, hey, man, can we get to that one? And he'd be like, nope, nope, patience. Just watch and wait. And what's really cool about that time of year, too, is you have all the blueberries are in season. So as you're hiking and sitting up there and, you know, it's just a lush green, you still have snow on top of most of the mountains. And you're watching mountain goats move through and you know, different bears moving around kind of in the lower brush and then spotting these deer that are kind of in the middle between the two species there. Just eating blueberries, your heart can, heart's content. And that is some of my favorite memories from this trip is just sitting, watching the wildlife and eating blueberries up there. But kind of come to the end of the second day, I think we saw 11 deer that day. Nothing really that we could get to. Uh, with the terrain so harsh up there, you really only have about you know, half a day to get to an animal to be able to put an ethical shot on him. So we went ahead, went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and what typically happens in Alaska is we were socked in with fog. I mean, you could barely see 40, 50 yards in front of you, and I mean, it was crazy. It was thick, and he's like, hey, man, we just got to wait it out. So we sat, made some coffee, just sat on the porch of this little cabin, just watching the world go by, enjoying life, picked some blueberries, you know, made some... uh, freeze-dried, I think it was beef stew, you know, the classics, just sitting up there enjoying life. Waited for the fog. It wouldn't lift. And we're like, man, we got to go out hunting. We only have one full day after this, so so we've got to go out. And we were walking on, it was a couple ridgelines above the cabin the day before, and there's this little bowl that was kind of scooped out of the mountain. And it was just blueberry bushes and then a nice, gradual, grassy slope into the tree line. We're like, hey, let's go sit up there. There's not a lot of cover up there. It's not a great place to sit, but the wind was in our favor, and with the fog really hurting visibility, we're thinking that we may be able to pull it off. So he and I take the two-hour hike up there. We get in place about three hours before dark and just sit, eating blueberries, kind of just leaning back, enjoying the scenery, and 
about 30 minutes before sunset, all of a sudden this cinnamon shadow just starts materializing out of the out of the tree line there. And it was it was a spike. It was a legal spike blacktail deer. And we had buck tags or I had buck tags at the time. And so we get ready to make a shot. And then just behind him, here comes another cinnamon shape. And it was a three by three uh, blacktail. You still in velvet. It was a good sized deer for that size of animal. And uh, we decided that he was going to be the one. And uh, we had, I was shooting at the time. It was a 300 Winchester mag because I was expecting, you know, to take a two, 300 yard shot here in Alaska. And I wanted something to be able to really buck the wind, but uh, it was a 75 yard shot because of the visibility. We could barely make it out, watched him for a while. So I popped the scope caps. I get it up, you know, slowly moving because they're right on top of us. And I get it up to my eye and I made a rookie mistake in uh, Southeast Alaska is that I didn't have a scope cleaning cloth with me and the dew and the condensation and just the moist weather we were in at the time had totally fogged up my scope. So I had to slowly lower it back down, took a corner of my shirt and was trying to wipe it off all while these deer are coming right towards us. And then the wind shifts and I'm like, ah, it's over. They're going to smell us. They're going to spook. And thankfully they didn't, they just stopped and they looked right at us. And it was just enough time for me to kind of roll on my side, put my knee up, rested the fore end of the rifle on my knee and, you know, gave that, that squeeze on the trigger and, that silent evening was just shattered by that crack of that 300 and he dropped right then and there it was it was awesome it was that big adrenaline rush that we did it we'd done what we had came to do and so we came down and uh, got to look at him and those blacktail deer are really cool they're not as big as the mule deer or like your uh, even your south texas whitetail deer but they're a cool animal they're real cinnamon with that signature black tail still in velvet so of course we take a few pictures right then and there and we're soaked to the bone well we look miserable but we were having a great time so we're sitting there gutting quartering skinning deboning all the meat and man i was excited but all i could think about was that i'm in the brown bear capital of the world and we had seen so many bears at this point and you know i'm covered in blood and that's all i could think about as the sun's setting and we begin our two mile or I'm sorry, two hour hike back to the cabin, but we did it. It was fine. Uh, we only saw a couple bears and they left us well alone. Get to the cabin, cook up another meal, cooked up a little backstrap right then and there on the mountain, just pan fried it and oh, delicious with a little, uh, we took some blueberries and squished them up, kind of made a little sauce with it and it was great. Next morning we loaded our packs back up you know, trophy hanging off the top of the, of the pack, just feeling like you're on top of the world for our uh, four or five mile hike back. And we drove down the mountain back to his place. And, and when we got there, we, we cut up some salmon, some halibut, uh, some venison, had some good surf and turf right there, Alaska style. And, uh, you know, I've been up to Alaska, yeah, I'd say two more times to hunt, but that had to be the best experience I've had up in Alaska. Just it being such a new environment and it being such a cool memory with the blueberries and the deer and the goats and the bear. And, you know, that, that was awesome. And to cap it off with some freshly fried halibut and some good backstrap off the deer you just hauled out of the mountains, you know, it's amazing. It's just an awesome adventure in food.
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.